Hi everyone, welcome to Whining Over Motherhood. Join me as my guest and I whine while we share stories that tell the highs and lows of pregnancy, labor, and birth, and postpartum with a Latinx flavor. I am going to be inviting some of my friends as well as experts to the show to talk a little bit more about what goes and or what happens when we become mothers or parents. So join me and I hope you like this first episode. Who am I? Well, my name is Alexandra. Um, I'm a mother of twins. Uh, they're going to be three years old soon. And the idea for this podcast basically uh, was born, no pun intended, out of my own story uh, my own, I, about my own motherhood journey that I have been so far. Um, so to... To tell you a little bit about me. Uh, so I'm Ecuadorian. I come from Ecuador. I immigrated to this country at the age of 11. And with my mother and my two younger brothers. And basically my life was good. <laughs> Has been good. It's not, I, don't, I don't have to complain. But So when I graduated college and all the stuff, uh, I'm a first generation Oh, graduate student. I do hold a master's degree and everything else. So I did the I did all the things before I became a mom. But in that process, uh, when I was all of the things was happening, there was a lot of um, I can't even speak. There was a lot of things that happened before I had my twins. So it, it I actually spent almost ten years of uh, trying to get pregnant. And unfortunately, things didn't work out naturally. So after many, many tests and genetic testing from my husband and I, uh, it was discovered that it was going to be a little bit more difficult trying the natural way. So they recommend they recommended to to go the IVF route. So we became. Um, I guess we went and did the IVF and the IVF thing and the first round of IVF we were able to to have three embryos which unfortunately the first two didn't happen and the third one became my twins a, a little bit a year later after the IVF treatment. But I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you the stories about about that as, as as we progress through this podcast. So then, all of this was happening, and I did not know, or I had an idea what was what was happening to me while all of this was happening on on the side. I was developing, I guess, anxiety, and I didn't know I was going to become sort of like a person who had a who has PTSD and the reason why I didn't notice because it was when I became pregnant with the twins that's when I noticed my obsession with um, paying attention to my body in a, in a way and I did not I, I, I did not recognize this as a symptom of, of a um, of a perinatal mood 
an anxiety disorder, which is the 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 different the different men, mental health disorders that that a, a woman who goes through pregnancy, who goes through birth, or who goes even through through postpartum develops as 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 it happens. So I end up pregnant with my twins after IVF, and we find out that we were having twins. I didn't even know that we were having twins actually. It was just one embryo and and luck happened and it decided to divide into two identical embryos. And so on my on my first checkup, the doctor tells me that I'm having identical twins and we and we already knew the sexes by then. So it kinda like put me on the on a bigger alert. I don't even know how to describe it because honestly, I've been I told the story many times, and it it, it kind of, yes, it put me more alert. I I was more alert about my body, what my body was doing, and all this stuff. But I didn't know that it had a name. I didn't know or that it was an actual symptom of 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 post post PTSD post traumatic stress disorder until like three years later, like almost three years later, which is a few months ago when I figured it out, um, I guess, I guess you could say I was, I, I was self-diagnosing myself after I was doing some research, um, that I, I, I arrived to that conclusion, but throughout the pregnancy of the twins, yes, I was a little bit more, uh, alert about everything that was going on through my body. I was afraid at every morning or every day that something bad was going to end up happening. So that created a lot of anxiety. Uh, plus, you know, when you go to your checkup, they tell you, you know, you, you, because you're having twins and you're this high, this, this weight and this many other factors, you are going to end up have possibly having all this other, um, possible risk uh, through pregnancy, which is preterm labor, um, gestational diabetes, high blood pressure, or eclampsia or, or eclampsia and that kind of like just made it worse for me to to actually enjoy my pregnancy like every day I can again I, I can honestly say every day it was like okay it's the morning everything's good I feel good and go throughout the day like that making sure that I was eating which that did not happen because I was constantly sick um, to the point that I think I, I lost 10 pounds the first three months of the pregnancy. And then I only gained like 20 pounds after that with twins. So, and then when the night night came over, I was like, oof, okay, the day is over. Let's just go rest and start 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 the whole day again. And, and and like I said, I didn't know what was this. I was just, I was, for me, it was like kind of like a normal thing to go through my day thinking that nothing, that something bad was going to end up happening. And then on top of it, the doctor throws in something that we were really afraid of, of happening, which is uh, twin to twin to twin transmission, which happens when identical twins share a placenta. And this can actually give them, put them in a position where one receives more 
blood and more nutrients from you and the other one actually doesn't. And yes, there's a surgery to correct it. There are risks associated with that, with that uh, surgery because they do have to go in and fix that through your womb. And the biggest fear, I think, was to get to that point. And so I started reading and I started going to forums and I started and, and I started kind of like looking around all this information, you know, trying to, to, to figure out what symptoms do I have to look out for uh, just to cut it, just to be able to cut it early, which is what I, what I thought I was doing. Um, thankfully, nothing, none of that happened. Thankfully, not even have gestational diabetes. And I did not have high blood pressure. My, my, my blood pressure, every time I, I went to check out, it was like perfect, excellent. And I was like, okay. And even with this assurances, even with this, oh, you're okay, everything's fine, the babies look fine, the babies uh, have a good weight, have a good, um, have a good length, and, and everything seems to be according to how, how old they should be at this point. Even with all of that, I felt that something bad was going to happen. And and then comes the whole idea of, okay, so now we have passed uh, 24th week. Um, you know, if they, if you do go into preterm labor, there's a bigger chance, the chances of them surviving is bigger. So you have that also on top, on, on top of your head to worry about. So it was like, if you ask me, did you enjoy being pregnant? I would say so and so, maybe. But I do not honestly. I do not remember the the good days more than I remember the the worry days. The, not the bad days. Thankfully, I didn't have one. Um, but I do remember being on a constant uh, state of worry. Uh, a state of like something bad is going to happen, and and that's how and 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 eventually years years later I learned that that is actually uh, a symptom of PTSD, a symptom of anxiety while while pregnant, and it puts you at a higher risk of of having postpartum depression after that, which lo and behold, it did happen. <laughs> uh, so everything goes my everything goes well, everything goes right. Nothing bad happened throughout the 35 weeks and five days that I was pregnant. Um, unfortunately one of the twins was breached to the point of there was nothing that was gonna be able to put them in a position to be able to push. So we came to an agreement with the doctor to do a scheduled C-section. And because I was already having so much anxiety of trying to go to the day of, like, trying to keep the pregnancy afloat, I guess, if you want to put it that way. I kind of remember, like, I don't want to read nothing about C-sections. I do not want to see no videos. I do not want to see no information. I just wanted to. I just wanted to do it as as it comes. Like that day, I will learn whatever. Like, give me instructions on the day off. Like, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. And it came. It finally came. It came on, on a July on July second. 
Uh, we were scheduled to go into the hospital. We're supposed to be there at 9 o'clock. And, you know, you go in, you you tell the people at the reception that you're there for C-section. And they put you through the whole process. They give you a bracelet and, and then they put you into this room where there's they start putting all the machines in, 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 in your belly to measure heartbeats, to measure contractions, which apparently I had and I didn't know I had them. Um, and and then the doctors come in and, and and they told me when I was asking, I was like, what are you guys doing? He was like, well, we're, we're actually kind of like doing a, a road mapping. And I was like, and I'm like, what? And I was like, well, yeah, because we need to know when we, where do we need to cut and where do we need to do this, all that. So we need to know where the babies are, what positions they are. So we need to learn all of that. So it was a good thing. I really liked the the way things worked out with the hospital. Um, I think it's one one of the best things that happens through, through, through that is that they were really good at explaining, kind of put you at ease or making you feel... Um, less anxious um, about what, what was going to happen. So they explained each and every step that they were doing. They were they would talk to you while they were doing whatever they were doing, and they and then they would come to the sociologist and she starts talking about what was going to be happening step by step. Like you know, we're going to put this needle and then we're going to put this and that, and you're going to start feeling a warm sensation on your legs going all the way out to your to your um you know, to your chest, and then comes the part that actually really scared me, which when, when she says, you're going to be breathing, but you're not going to see your chest going up and down, <laughs> and, I, and I was like, you're talking to a very anxious person, and I do not think that's a good idea, she did, she did fail to mention that they can actually use an oxygen um, mask on me, so I did not know this, so Throughout the whole process of preparing me to go into in, into the operating room, I did not know this, and I was really anxious because I was. I, I remember telling my husband, "I was like, I don't want to do this now. I want to leave. Can we just do this another day?" And it was too late because <laughs> we were already there. He was like, "No, we're having this baby today," and I was like, "Okay." Uh, so it it it, it, it kind of gets scary, and but you know, I'm a scary cat. Like I, I, I normally I, I'm scared of everything. Um, I don't like to go into roller coasters, so that, that tells you something. And when when they put me into this OR, being there before, it's not my first time because for IBF, you do have to go into into an operating room for them to extract the eggs that they're going to use uh, for the process. So I've been there, I've been under anesthesia many times because of my miscarriages. Uh, they have to result it in, in DNCs and they have to go in and take them out. And sometimes they have to put me to sleep to do this. So it wasn't the first time that I was actually in this in this type of situation. But still, every time you are in that type of situation, you kind of like kind of like go into this. Oh, my God, they're going to they, 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 they're going to do something to me and they're going to they're gonna be bad. And, and, and I don't know the doctors. It, 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 I don't I don't even want to go there because it kind of like. I relieve all that anxiety when, when I start thinking about it. But anyways, so so it, it happened. My guess is true that you, you when you use uh, anesthesia for for a C-section, yes, the anesthesia actually like kind of like makes all the muscles kind of go to sleep in a way. 
So you don't see your chest going up and down. So I started getting, almost getting a panic attack until I was like, um, can we do something about this? Because I feel like I can't breathe. And it was just because I couldn't see my chest going up and down. So that's when she was like, oh, I forgot to mention, you can actually use an oxygen mask. And I was like, really? Really? We could have avoided so much problems if we would have done this before. But okay, no problem. So they put the oxygen mask. She was measuring my oxygen, my blood pressure. And she was constantly reassuring me while they were getting in there to bring the babies out. So that was a good thing. I mean, you, you, it, it, it's not an ACPC thing. It's not something that you just go in there like, oh, yeah, let's do this again. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, because you do feel kind of like it's an, I would, I would describe it as an out-of-body experience. You don't feel your body. You, you kind of like, like I say, I'm a, I'm a, I worry a lot. I worry too much about things. And, and, and when, when my body, like the whole issue with my miscarriages, my pregnancy, I am so aware of my body and what my body does when there's something bad happening that that was like the like the cherry on top of the ice cream, I would say. Um, will I do it again if I if I get to have another baby? Well, if there's no choice, I think so. Um, but hopefully, hopefully we don't have to go through that uh, again. Uh, I don't think I'm, I'm I'm planning to have another another set of twins, so let, let, we'll see. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it kind of puts you in a position that you're very anxious and you're not enjoying it the moment. You're not thinking that this is where you're laying down in that bed. You're laying down in that, in that cold room because it's really cold. And for once, for, for once, I'm like, okay, so we're, we're doing this. This is really happening. And I don't think you... And I don't think it even it, it didn't click that it was happening until I actually heard the first baby coming out and, and started crying. Um, and even that was like a five second thing. And because I would, my my brain completely turned that off for a second and then completely went back to here still. I'm still I'm not feeling anything. I'm not feeling my arms. I'm not feeling my legs. Can we please get it done? And then the second baby comes out like two minutes later, and it, it it I'm not sure what was happening that he has to be stimulated for a very long time because he wasn't re um he he he, he was breathing because I heard him crying but very little very very quietly, but they needed to work with him a little bit longer than his brother. So that plus the other baby was was already uh, semi-clean and his father was carrying him. I couldn't even hold him because my, my arms were, were out of out of commission. Apparently, the anesthesia went so far, so far high as, as my shoulders that the anesthesiologist decided that she needed to turn it off before it can actually keep going up. And that and, and the baby not, not having a good reaction and not knowing for like, Whatever, what it felt like an eternity, whether he was good or not. Um, and then in 30 minutes or less, I think the doctor was able to sue me back on, back out, put all my things back, <laughs> put all my things back in and then sue me up and send me to on my merry way to, to the 
recovery room. And, and that, that was when I think it, it clicked that I just became a mother after so many years. Um, but you still have the whole thing about your babies not, well, at, at least myself. Um, one of the babies was not, his temperature was too low. He wasn't bringing the temperature back up on his own, even, even with skin to skin, to skin contact. Um, the breathing was really shallow and I'm pretty sure nobody told me this, but I'm pretty sure that there was no room in the NICU and because, you know, they needed to go to the NICU, they couldn't go to, to, to the regular nursery so they put them up on the nursery while they were hooking them all all up to oxygen uh, things and all that stuff I I did not know this I'm just kind of like I, I mean no no one was talking that was the other part that made it made it more anxious and no one was talking what was happening while I was here on the, on my bed laying down trying for the Lord for 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 all my mighty to kind of like recover my, my, my extremities, my joints, my everything, and like trying to make sure that everything was still there. And it, it is, it is a crazy, it is a crazy time. I don't, I don't think it's something that, that one sits down and says, oh yeah, you have a C-section. How was it? Oh, it was good. <laughs> I don't think no one's going to tell you that. Um, so yeah, so th- that happens. And then, they, you know, they will meet over in my room and crazy Things happen in, in between, and the babies were in Nico for, I think I believe it was an eternity. It, it felt like an eternity, uh, but they were there for almost three and a half weeks, at least one of them, and then the other ones for two weeks and a half. Sorry, yes, two weeks, and that was a crazy time as well, which I am going to tell you that uh, later as well when when we talk about. Nico, I do have some people, some friends that also went through the experience about uh, about their babies being at a Nico, even if it's only for two days or, or, or a week or, or like mine, three weeks. And that's an experience in itself. That's a, some, that is something that that kind of mess with your head. Not kind of pretty plain and simple. And... I feel like it was one of the reasons why I went into this or yeah one one of the things that you know put me into this postpartum depression after I had the babies um breastfeeding was another craziness too we're gonna talk about that too and then all of that all of that I did not know Oh, I did not notice. I don't, I'm not sure what was happening there. That I did. I didn't figure it out until like three months ago. Um, so I'm in this to- in in this toddlerhood period where I'm trying for. I'm trying to look for things to read and you know educate myself about two years old and 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 the uh, and the terrible tools, quotation marks. Um, and all this stuff and how to deal with tantrums and how to deal with this resilient child and all this kind of stuff came up. And as I was reading all of this, it kind of gives you more articles about, you know, postpartum depression and 
uh, post-traumatic stress disorder for for uh, for women who been pregnant and after and the postpartum period, um, and then you know, kind of like when you start reading about all the stuff, you kind of figure out it's like, oh my god, that's me, <laughs> and I have that too, and yes, I have anxiety too, and check and check and check, and then you notice that you actually went through a rough period and you know hormones you can blame it to the hormones you can blame it to everything but i think whoever goes through fertility issues um through miscarriages and through ibf which is not something not an easy thing to do either it it, it, it kind of puts you into in, into this into this category as you are going to be effed up <laughs> when you become a mom because there's going to be so much going on at the same time. So, but it also it, it also has its positive. It also prepares you to deal with a lot of the a lot of the hurdles of motherhood as you as as you give birth and start raising your children, and it, it actually makes you stronger. But this is not the kind of show that is going to tell you that motherhood is pink and roses. This is not going to tell you strawberries and cream. <laughs> this is going to tell you the real deal because we need to hear from more mothers. We need to hear from more from more parents. I, I hope I have more also also dads as well, fathers as well in this show to talk about that whole the whole journey of not just becoming parents, but being parents. And and I hope I, 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 I'm able to to deliver that for you guys. And and also like I said, you're gonna you're gonna learn a little bit more about my stories and and I think I have a lot of stories to tell. I can, I think I can remember write a book. Maybe it's, it's an idea. Um maybe. And you know, and all this we're gonna do this our way. So we're gonna be doing this while we while we're drinking wine. I'm not drinking wine right now because I'm like really, really, really tired. It's almost twelve o'clock at night. But yes, we are gonna be doing that, and we are gonna add our our Latino flavor in there because you know Latino parents are a different kind. It's like a different kind of category in itself because we have so many so many things that we add to this parenting thing and you know you combine with the old parenting way with the new parenting way and it kind of gives you a mix that that sometimes it's funny sometimes it's like really like dude really let's just chill and so you're gonna hear a lot about that so but that was a little bit of a little bit <laughs> it's almost like 30 minutes but that's a little bit of why this podcast came up, why this project that, that I'm doing right now uh, came, com, comes up. And, you know, it kind of like pushed me to become an advocate, actually, for um, for per, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And, you know, because we don't have that. Uh, especially in my case, I remember going to my six-week postpartum checkup with my doctor and I remember it was like a I waited for like an eternity to for him to see me and then once we were there he just checked on me he checks my my incision my c-section um you know 
see if it heals, if it's healing correctly and all the stuff. And that was it. He didn't ask me how you're doing. He didn't ask me, oh, you know, you must be going. The only thing I remember was like, you must be going crazy with two. And I was like, crazy is an understatement. <laughs> crazy and it's, it's really an understatement with, with two with two boys at the same time. You're raising two boys at the same time. And that was it. There was no questions, how are you feeling? There's no question about, you know, do you feel this way or do you feel that way? You know, you had it. And he knew that the, the, this was the, 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 the weirdest part of it all. He knew my medical history. Um, he knew where all this, what happened before being there with twins. And, and that was actually something that I was like really, really concerned after. I'm like, um, am I this good that I'm not showing that I'm struggling, that I'm actually feeling like I'm sad, but not really like it, it is like, I don't think nobody knew. I don't, I don't think nobody noticed because this is, this is one of the things that I, 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 I remember, and I remember, and I did. I have done it myself with my friends, and I and, and, and I experienced it myself. Is that once the babies are out, any baby, the mother becomes um, takes a backseat. You just ask about the mother. How are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> Nobody asks. No more questions about the mom. Uh, just the babies. How the babies are doing? They're sleeping through the night. They're eating. Or they're not eating. Are they breastfeeding? Not breastfeeding. You should be you should be breastfeeding, you know, you should be making uh, enough milk for two, blah, blah, blah. So all these questions were all mostly about the babies. And, I, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying that it should be a little bit more focused about what the mother is also going. Because we do have things to say. We do have things to kind of like, you know, put out there. Just saying. Um, so, yeah. So that's pretty much what... I can tell you right now because I only had 30 minutes on this thing online, <laughs> but we'll figure it out a way that I can tell you more about about the stories that I have to tell, and hopefully, I get I get to, like I say I can bring more guests into this into the show. Um, yeah. Oops. Finish this first episode. I would like for you to follow me on Instagram and. The handle is cuarto underscore trimestre, P-R-J. Um, so it's C-U-R-C-U-A-R-T-O underscore T-R-I-M-E-S-T-E-T-R-E-P-R-J. Um, you're gonna, I haven't posted a lot of things and so on, on, on Instagram because like I said, this is a very new project that I'm just kind of building up as I, as I go as I find more information. Um, but I have joined several, I do follow so, several organizations that, you know, they help women to find resources for prenatal mood and anxiety disorders like post, uh, postpartum depression, anxiety, um, PTSD, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder as well. We are women who suffer from that uh, during pregnancy and after pregnancy. So it's very important. So one of them is Postpartum Support International, uh, which I'm doing a very nice, a very nice uh, project 
I joined to do a very nice project with them, which I'm going to talk about uh, probably at the end because I still haven't uh, worked with them fully. So it, it's going to be something that I will share over time as, as I get into it. And and like I say, this whole this whole thing that happened that happened to me um, kind of like opened my eyes to know that there's very little help for women out there who go through this um, mood disorders and anxiety disorders. And I think it's it, it, it it's time, you know, to advocate for change. And I in there, there's also another organization that is called um, Mom Congress. Uh, yes, Mom Congress and Mom2020.org, uh, which they go up to the advocacy and policy level. So they they do they do work a lot with with um, government policy around all of this and 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 you know all of this I'm gonna put this at the at, at the end notes and at the show notes uh, all this organizations that I, I I just mentioned so you guys can go and and, and check that out and who knows maybe you, you also get inspired to advocate not just for not not just for other women but also for yourself if you if you kind of like relate to the story that I just told mm, because you know this it's it's the real deal motherhood is it's not it's it's not like they put it out there on movies and and tv shows where the mother gives birth they bring the baby and all of a sudden it's a happily ever after ending that we are looking for you know mm, none of that None of that happens, at least in my experience, and 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 I heard many stories throughout my you know throughout the years about other mothers feeling the same way, and I, and I feel like we don't talk about this because we kind of feel ashamed, you know. We kind of feel like somebody's gonna point the fingers at us and they're gonna call us bad moms, you know. Or like the old schools are sometimes, you know, you just kind of like, you just need to put down the law and you just need to kind of figure out, you know, when I was your age and I, and I have my children, we did it this way and look how it did turn out to be. And yeah, they don't tell you the stories. And and I think we in the Latin, in, in the Latinx community, um, you know, we have our, our own stories to tell and our own stories. It's a little different when it comes to motherhood. Like when we ask our, our grandparents or we ask even our own mothers, um, they tend to go into the whole, well, you know, when I was younger and I was raising you guys or, or, I, was watch- or I was raising my children, we did it this way. And it worked, whatever they say, it worked, but times change and we are more aware of things. We are more aware of, you know, options. We have more options to do this kind of things and, 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 
and it's really it 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 it, it kind of makes it makes makes it a lot different. Like one of the things that I always I always put an example of is about the postpartum period. So this is this this is how part of the other part of the project was born was because um, I kept hearing all this craziness that women in the old times did when after they had babies. Like one of the things that kind of like like really caught my attention was that women were supposed to wear socks to cover their legs and their feet because, you know, uh, air can actually go through your feet and it could not help you into your recovery uh, after birthing, after, after birthing a child. And I was like, what are you trying to say that I have to put a sock <laughs> while I was in my house? And, and mind you, I gave birth in July in the summer. I was like, I'm not doing that. That's not happening. And then also the, all the teas and, 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 and all the, the, the things that, that you have to drink and the things that you have to eat and all this kind of like, you know, like oatmeal juices and stuff to make more milk and, and I remember, I remember when, when, when my, my younger brother, my youngest brother was, uh, was a baby and my mother was trying to breastfeed him. They would give her chocolate and water, not with milk, chocolate and water. And that, that was mixed with some, some, um, panela, which is like a brown sugar. And that she would drink that like every time, you know, no, no. Not there was no specific time. It's the more you drink it, the more milk you produce. And I was like, and I even did that, and that didn't work out. Um, you know, all this kind of craziness come 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 out when when you're going through your first uh, three months of 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 of, of being a mom or af- after you give birth, and and and, it, and it's kind of funny. And I, then I started reading about quarantenas and what quarantena means. In, in, in other in, in other countries in Latin America, and yes, to the T, <laughs> to the T. It was like, yeah, you need to drink this and you need to eat that and you need to put this on your head and cover your <laughs> and cover your feet and your legs because you know things can go through there if if they're uncovered. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like this is what like it's fascinating. Not not saying are you kidding me in a bad way. I'm saying it's a fascinating to want to to kind of learn about all this stuff and and you being and then in my head as I'm reading all of this which I I think I even made notes about it it kind of makes you miss I mean I wasn't I wasn't born here in the U.S. and I kind of remember my my childhood and, and the traditions that we have and and the cultural things that we do back in Ecuador and when and I remembered certain things when my aunts gave birth and they have their children. And I remember the whole commotion and, and the whole getting together. You know, no wonder what this is saying is, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Because it's true. In our communities, it's true. Everybody kind of like put themselves together and and they become this this one thing, one machine 
to help out, to help out, to to help out bring that connection between the mother and the child. That's that's based on what I read and based on what I researched, that's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to give the mother a chance all throughout those six weeks. Because we're only talking about six weeks, we're not talking about the first three months. But through the first six weeks of after giving birth, the mother and the child needs to be their priority. There is a there they prioritize mother's well-being, mother's mental health, um, in order for that connection to happen between the mother and child through breastfeeding, to constantly being in the room with 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 the newborn, while everything else, while all the other pieces of this uh, of this puzzle move around. Like for example, your aunts and your cousins and all the women in the family they get together to help out to cook, to clean. If there are more, cho- more children in, in that woman's family, then they also come together to, to you know, to attend the needs of those child, like to take them to school, to get them food. And all this kind of, all these little pieces, they get together and and happens that the woman and the child connect in, 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 um, very intimately in a way. But when you come to the U.S., Please correct me. Please email me. Please call me. Please text me if I'm, I'm if I'm wrong because I really would like to hear it uh, if this actually happens here in the U.S. But for many of us, or at least the stories that I've heard, it's lonely. It's um, it's a very it's the, the first six weeks, the first three months, even afterwards. Uh, it's a very isolated moment in in a mother's life you know you do have the support of your family if you have your family here but because they're because life also goes on outside of the walls where you're at like you know your family works your family have other responsibilities time apparently here is not doesn't fit into into that so it, we kind of lose it, and that's why I say we 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 lose the quarantena in translation, and and that's and that's how I came up with it. I'm like, this this needs to change. Like you know, there must if we don't if if we are not able to put our families together, at least our immediate family together, because it's true, there are so many things that happen. Um, we need to at least kind of like advocate for the doctors. To be able to recognize uh, when a woman is not is not well, isn't is is not good. She's she's not feeling well. Um, we need to recognize for lactation consultants, you know, to just not just go beyond of is it a good latch? Are you producing enough milk? But to also kind of like dig in into into what's going on. Like, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Who is helping you? Okay. Which I thank a lot. My the last like the one of the lactation consultants that I have uh coming to my house. Uh she was really good at what she was doing and she was the one who was like, ultimately this breastfeeding business is up to you. You know, whatever you give your children, they'll be fine. This is from a lactation consultant. I was like, Oh, okay, then guess what? I don't wanna do this. But I'll tell you the story. <laughs> I'll tell you the story. 
uh, as well later as we touch about breastfeeding and, and all this, you know, breast is best or fat is best and all this um, things that come up around that. And so that's that's what I'm saying. If, if it takes a, a village to raise a child, we need to build that village. And not just with our families and our friends, but also with the people that are supposed to be there for us medically, like our doctors, our OBGYNs, our midwife. Um, not a lot of people can afford a doula, which is something that I, I'm like, yes, it's a good thing. I love it. I wish I had one. I wish I knew actually about them. We don't know this. When you go to an OBGYN office, they don't talk to you about this. They just talk to you about, they're fine. They're good. Let's move on. Um, but yeah. So we, we, we need to we, we need to put a little bit more effort to build that village outside from our families and to be able to to learn about all the stuff that can actually help us, not just for our physical recovery, but also for our mental health um, well being in, 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 in a way. And believe me, a happy mom is a happy baby. If the mom is not happy, Oh, trust me, I did not believe that until I had my twins. I did not believe that we actually have a lot of, you can reflect a lot of your of your mood into your children. And I learned that the hard way. And I'm still learning that the hard way. Sometimes I forget. And I still learn that the hard way. When we have a very rough day, when we have a very rough time, believe me, your children will have it too. At least mine did. And, and I learned that. Uh, not just, I don't want to say to control it, but to manage it. Because you can't, if you have a rough day, you're having a rough day. And that's normal. That's not, that's not something to be, to be ashamed about, uh, to be sad about, to be worried about. That's normal. You know, you're kind of like, they say, I remember one thing that I read and all the things that I read that said, I'm... A child is born at the same time a mother is born. We just simply don't have a manual. You don't. They don't come with a manual. I wish. Oh, I wish. I was like, which button should I press to turn it off? <laughs> and no, that doesn't happen that way. So, um, so yes. So that's that's what the show is going to is going to be about. And and I hope I can, um, you know. Whoever is out there listening, I hope that you can have a little bit of of a light at the end of your tunnel. Um, not every show is gonna be like this, like very like down. Like I feel, I I feel like telling my story like brings a lot of people down. I was like, oh my god, I was having a good day, and you tell me your story, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like mad now that that happened to you. I was like, don't be mad, don't be mad, don't be sad. Um, yes, do be aware that these things happen and, you know, and let's do something about it and let's, let's, let's work together to do something about it. Um, but yeah, so you guys have, uh, have a good day and I hope I can bring you more content. I hope I can also uh able to tell you more stories 
not just mine, but also other, other mothers and other parents. And if there's a dad or a father out there who's listening to this, please call me. Because I would like to hear from your end, too. I, I mean, my the plans are for inter- interviewing my husband. I would love to do that. And I hope he say yes. I think he say yes, but I don't think he wants to. Um, but yes, I would like to hear from, from the father's side as well, you know. Um, it's the change is not just on the mother's also on, 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 on the father. And if, if there's a father out there who's listening to me, please contact me through my Instagram and through, or through my podcast. <laughs> Cause I would love to chat with you. I would love to, for you to tell me your story from your end, from your perspective. Uh, we don't hear fathers as much as we hear mothers about going through the going through the journey and that will be a change that will be so nice to to hear as well as same-sex couples I don't think we hear them a lot either um you know especially with with uh same-sex uh dads I don't think we hear about about the stories and I'm pretty sure there is some some you know some shake up in there as we talk about moms and we talk about the female body and we talk about all the hormones that go through <laughs> through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, but we don't talk about uh, males and what they go through as well. So I would love to hear from that side. And then that's it. I don't think I have anything else to say. I think for this one, I don't think so. I think I told you a little bit of my story and I don't want to keep boring you. So... Have a good day, guys. Bye.